I'd like you to turn with me in the book of Luke as we carry on in our studies. We're coming to this very, very important passage. You remember last time I spoke to you from this chapter, chapter 9, we said that this is the core of the book of Luke. We had Jesus asking his disciples, who do you say I am? Very, very life-changing question. And now he's going to tell them about the cost of following him. And then next time we get around um, God's word from this chapter, we're going to be seeing what God says about his own son. So this is at the very core of the book of Luke. And so we spend time in it this morning. So Luke chapter 9, and I'm going to be reading from verse 18 to verse 27 this morning. Luke chapter 9, verse 18 to 27. And then we'll be standing still on verses 23 to 27. Let's just read God's word together. And it happened that while Jesus was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he questioned them, saying, Who do the people say that I am? They answered and said, John the Baptist. Others say, Elijah. But others, that one of the prophets of old has risen again. And Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, The Christ of God, the Messiah, the Christos of God. But Jesus warned them and instructed them not to tell this to anyone, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. And he was saying to them all, So Jesus turns to the crowd now, the Son of Man must suffer many things and, sorry, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is, for what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I say to you truthfully, there are some of those standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but um, I'm sure you might have been in the same boat. You go to your telecommunications company and you want one of those fancy cell phones, alright? And you give in to the temptation of going for bigger and better and what happens? You have to sign up to a lengthy document. And it's got all this fine print in it. And if you get to my age, you can hardly read the fine print. And um, you're, so, you're so enthusiastic about getting this new gadget with everything on it that you just say, yes, 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 okay, just give it to me and sign. And then when you want to cancel it, you suddenly find out, oh, I've got to pay money. Where did this say this? And you go and read that fine print with your magnifying glass and there you find it. If you cancel early, you've got to pay these hundreds of dollars. Anyone been there? Okay, it's only me and Jane. But you know, when it comes to the, the kingdom of God, there is no fine print. There is no fine print to the kingdom of God into following Jesus. 
The way to God is transparent. The way to God is clear. The way to God is black and white. How do I know that? Scripture tells me all people are sinners and need a saviour. That's fairly black and white. Not trying to hide anything there. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 So who is the saviour? Well, Scripture tells us Jesus Christ alone. No fine print. Jesus Christ alone in bold print. And how can you have your sins forgiven and be given new spiritual life? The Bible says by confessing your sin, by proclaiming Christ as Lord in your life and accepting His gift of forgiveness by His blood shed on the cross on your behalf. That's plain too. Not hard to understand. Can you get to God any other way? No. Black and white. Only through Jesus Christ or nothing. Scripture says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's very clear, isn't it? Is there any other subclause, 10.2c, way to be saved? No. Is there any way that you can become a Christian by stealth, by not quite knowing how that happened? No. It's a definitive decision. Who do you say that I am, said Jesus, as we saw last time? You see, he wants an answer from you and I. And so, as we look at our text this morning, Jesus turns to the whole crowd in verses 23, and Mark tells us that, Mark 8.34, you need to read the other Gospels as well, to get those other cameras on this picture. Jesus turns to the whole crowd, he's been speaking to his disciples, and now he challenges everyone, because they've all been hearing his messages. He says, if you want to follow me, then things have got to happen. And he spells it out for them in bold print. There is a cost to becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. There is no easy believism here. You can't say you didn't know. There is no fine print. It's all bold and large as life when we hear God's message. You see, because it requires of you and I total commitment. It's all or nothing for Jesus Christ. There's a different message going out into the world today. And that is why I'm kind of emphasizing this this morning. It's all or nothing when you want to follow Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus says, he says there's a choice to be made. We'll be looking at that. There's a price to be paid. There's a walk to be walked. And there's a danger to watch out for. And we're going to be looking at those four things this morning. So there's a choice to be made. There's a price to be paid. There's a walk to be walked and there's a danger to take note of. So please track with me as we look at God's word this morning. Verse 23, there's a choice to be made. Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me. Now if you look at those words, no one's forced into the kingdom. No one will one day stand in heaven and say, I didn't want to be here. How did I get here? No one. You see... It is Jesus who draws all men to himself. Yes, John chapter 12, 32 says this. 
that. And yes, it's only by his intervention and through his grace that people are saved. But God gives you and I the opportunity to come or not to come to him. We're all given that choice. God does the work in us, but we get that time to choose Jesus or to reject him. He says to you and I, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He says, come. He's not obligating you. And as you sit here today, every single one of you and me, you and I have made a choice already. It's either accepting Jesus or rejecting Him. From the smallest child here to the oldest person in this building, we've all made a choice. And yet, the Lord still calls you and I to Him today. And you might have made your choice against the Lord Jesus Christ, but He still calls you to Him today. He doesn't reject you because you've said no. He says, come to me. And so, listen to the call of the gospel. And if you're a believer here today, listen to the cost of following the Lord Jesus Christ. So, there is a choice to be made here. Secondly, we see in verses 24 to 25, he says these words, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. And then verse 23, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You see, here's the bold print from Jesus Christ today for you to weigh up. And I'm going to speak to unbelievers here first, and then I'll speak to you as believers. So if you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ yet, and there are some here this morning, I want you to listen to these words that the God is going to speak to you. He says, would you save your own life? Would you try and save your own life? Well, says Scripture, then you must lose it. Pardon? If you would save your own life, Scripture says, you must lose it. How does that work? Well, Scripture says if you want to find real life and eternal life, there's only one way. You need to give up your life to Jesus Christ completely and give Him control of every single aspect of your life. Verse 25 says that even if you gain the whole world and you try to write it now, those of you who are accountants, listen up. I'm not, so I'm paying attention. All right? There are two columns. There's a credit column and a debit column. He says, even if you gain the whole world and you try and write that up to the credit column of your life's book, you will find on the debit side, your soul is written up there against everything that you've gained, if you are not in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it nullifies anything that you might have gained in this whole life that you've tried to gather. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are lost, says Scripture. And it doesn't count you for anything to try and get anything else in life. And there are many today who try to find happiness, they try to find security, they try to find meaning of life, they try to find purpose to life by gathering things, by having experiences, and they're getting more exorbitant as they go, and by doing good things for other people. And they try and earn their way into heaven. 
they try and rise up onto the credit side of their life. So that the debit side is not so low. But in the end, says Scripture, they will find that all is meaningless. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Everything is meaningless. There is a God-sized vacuum in their souls. You see, if you're lost today, nothing will fill that vacuum in you. That yearning for something, for meaning in your life. Nothing will fill that space except God Himself. There's a God-sized vacuum in you. Outside of Jesus Christ, there's no hope for your soul. You can't get into heaven into God's good books by doing anything good. All you will do is forfeit your soul. And that's an eternal price to pay. You see, we are all paying a price. Are you willing to give your soul? Does that describe you today? You've been trying to fill that gap in your life with other things? However, here's the good news for you. If you're not a Christian, listen to this. If you would find hope, if you would find meaning in life, then you must allow Jesus Christ to become Lord of your life. How does that happen? And I'll try and put that simply here to you. It's by allowing God to write up the death of Jesus Christ on your behalf into your credit column on your life. Is that simple? No? It is accepting the Lord Jesus Christ and His offer of salvation for you It is accepting that offer and asking God to write up the life of Jesus Christ and the death of Jesus Christ in your life on your behalf. It is coming before God and confessing that without this, without this gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, without Him, you are just a sinner and you cannot get to Him. It is allowing God to write up His death and crediting it to you as righteousness, says Scripture. How does that happen? Romans 4.23 says, By putting your faith in Jesus Christ and by believing that He rose again from the dead, you will be saved. A divine price was paid for you too, you see. Jesus Christ gave His life for you. But will you accept God's offer of new life to you? And that's where the decision comes in. So there's a price that is paid. Christ paid the price for you and there's a price on your soul too. Are you going to try and pay it yourself? And then there's a walk to be walked, verses 23 to 25. Look with me in your text. And this, I want to speak to you as believers here this morning because Jesus puts this challenge to you and I. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, in other words, to put it in Christianese, if you've been born again, then there's a challenge for you and I too. And it's also in bold print here this morning. He says this, he says, if you would come after me, if you call yourself a believer, and if you would come after me, says Jesus, in other words, literally, if you would come in behind me, is what it means there, if you would become a Christ follower, How would you do this? Then you need to, what? Deny yourself. There are four things there. You need to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily, and I've added that as one, and follow me, says Jesus. 
And yes, we understand you are saved by grace alone, but there is human responsibility once you're saved. There is a way that you have to walk with God. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So I want to zero in on those three. They are really, really important. What does it mean to deny yourself? You see, it's been misunderstood over the ages. People have thought, if I don't eat this, if I go and live in a cave somewhere and take myself away from other human beings, if I deny myself the good things, then I must be godly. Well, is that what Scripture is saying here? Is that what it means to deny yourself? I don't think so. I think Scripture is really clear here. It, it means, denying yourself means saying no definitively to your old self, to the old nature, and the temptation to think that you've saved yourself. You see, we quickly get into that mode. We quickly get into the, I'm actually quite a good person mode. And if you're getting into that mode, you're being tempted to think that you've saved yourself. We need to be reminded that denying myself is reminding myself that I need to rely solely for salvation on God's grace alone. Yeah? I need to remind myself of that. That is part of denying myself. Denying, secondly, means to turn away in disgust. As if it's an old filthy rag, you know those verses in Scripture? You need to chuck them off me, throw them off me. I need to turn away in disgust at thoughts, habits that are sinful, and even from reliance on being religious. And I say that because many people rely on being religious to be saved. That's part of denying yourself. And if you wanted a list of other things to do, I'm sorry, I haven't got it for you. In the old days, they used to say things like, don't go to the movies, don't dance, don't, you know those things. You all hear them. Well, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says this. It means... Turn your back on anything which is not God-glorifying and which does not lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a blanket thing. It says, to deny yourself means turn away in disgust at anything which does not glorify God and anything which does not lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. So you make your own list. What in your life does not glorify God? What in your life does not lift up the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, deny those things to yourself. That's what Scripture is calling us to. It means turning your back on anything which is not God-glorifying. It means putting away those things which your old nature feeds on and rebels on. You know, we've all got that old nature that comes up in us every now and then. I've always called it the bad dog in us. And if you feed that bad dog, that bad dog is going to grow strong again. We are not to feed that bad side of us. Yes, we've been saved by grace, but we're not yet in heaven. We are not yet made perfect. And that imperfection in us will want to grow. And if you feed it anything, it will grow. That's the nature of sin. So don't feed that side of your life, your old nature. Glorify God. Lift up Christ in what you do. Deny yourself. Here's the key, you see. Can you do this in your own strength? No. Here's a clue for you. No. You can't do this in your own strength. It's impossible without the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the point. It is impossible to please God 
without the Holy Spirit doing it in and through us. And so we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit enabling us to change. We can't change in in and of ourselves. The Holy Spirit has to do it through us. And so I want to ask you a question this morning as believers sitting here. If you're a believer sitting here, would you gain the whole world instead of denying yourself? For the short little time that you're on this earth, would you forfeit your soul for the treasures and the baubles and the bright things of this world which surround you on every side? Would you? You see, there's a price on your soul. Are you willing to sell it? Let me put it in this way. Is the world in you? Maybe you're too comfortable in this world and no one can tell that your life is different to theirs in the world. And it may be because you've not taken to heart this denial part of discipleship which the Lord Jesus Christ calls you to in bold print this morning. Is the world in you? You need to deny yourself. And that is the one that we really have to work on really hard. Deny yourself. Secondly, Jesus says, take up your cross, and I love that word and I don't like it, daily. Take up your cross daily. You see, the picture we are given here is a picture of a condemned man carrying a cross to the place of execution. And the Lord says to you and I, take up your cross daily and follow me. What does he mean? You see, that is where we would have been but for Jesus Christ. We would have been having to take our cross and to die, literally and spiritually, but for Jesus Christ. It means daily, not under duress, but willingly, voluntarily, decisively accepting the pain, the shame, the persecution, the unpopularity that's going to be your lot if you decide to be loyal to Jesus Christ. That is part of the cross you and I have to bear daily. It's no easy ride. If you go and listen on TV to some of the evangelists on there, they will try and make it sound that Christianity is the start of all your solutions. Well, it is in a way, but it's not. It's the start of your problems too. Because Jesus calls us to carry your cross daily. And you are going to be unpopular. And there are going to be things that come across your way, which God puts there to build you up in your faith. And no, they're not going to be that pleasant at times. They're going to be really, really hard. But he calls you to take up your cross daily and to follow him. It further means, and this is which is really prevalent today, it means that you need to walk daily against the grain of cultural values that come up against you. You just need to turn on the television. You just need to be out there in the community. You need to see the things that people are protesting about and the way they're protesting about them. Attitudes towards morality. Marriage. Same-sex marriage. Child-rearing. How to do it the world's way. We need to be going against the grain of cultural values. And are people going to speak out against you? Yes, they are. If you say, I want to do this God's way, you will get opposition from people. You can know that. It means daily 
making my own expectations take a backseat to God's call, God's expectations, what He wants in my life. It means putting aside my rights, if necessary. It means putting aside my dreams, if necessary. It means putting aside my plans, so that what God wants to do with me can happen. That is taking up your cross daily and following the Lord. Many would have looked around at those disciples and the way they followed the Lord Jesus Christ and they would have said to them, you guys are crazy, man. Peter, you could have been earning big bucks. You could have been earning big money as a fisherman with the company. And you choose to follow the Lord? They might even have said that to you already. I got that when I started to become a, when I trained to become a minister of the gospel. You wanted to do what? But those guys starve. Doesn't look like it. You see, but that's the reality. People cannot understand. And yet we need to take up our cross and to follow Christ daily. Are you following him daily? By taking up your cross? By being willing to be unpopular? We need to, thirdly, says Jesus, we need to follow Him. In other words, literally, we need to walk in the step of Jesus Christ. We need to become a Christ follower. And that's where the word Christian came from. They were Christ followers. They were Christians. 1 Peter 2 verse 21 says, For to this you have been called... Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might what? Follow in his steps. You see, Christ went before us and he says, I suffered, now you follow in my steps. Are you willing to follow Jesus and to suffer for it? How do I follow? Well, I want to give you a few pointers here. So that it's really practical to you and I. It starts with thinking like Jesus. We need to start by thinking like the Lord Jesus Christ, if we believe us here. A follower means a renewal of my mind and the way I think. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We need to go and look at that. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Thinking the way God wants us to think. What does this verse say? It's such an important verse. And do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, if you want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to start thinking like Him. In other words, you need to have your mind renewed by His Word. And so the automatic question that follows is what? Are you spending time in His Word? Are you putting His Word into your mind? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to use Scripture to change the way you think? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to transform your thinking and to renew your mind? Logical question? Secondly, it means to copy what Jesus did as my example. Does it mean I need to go and crucify myself? No, you're already doing that daily, if you're following the Lord. It means I am to be a copier, and here the word is the word apprentice. 
I'm to be an apprentice too. You see, what does an apprentice do? Anyone know? An apprentice will sit next to the master and they will watch what he does or she and then they will do. And then they'll watch and do. Watch and do. Until they can do without watching. And then they become a master. Well, you see, Christ calls us to copy Him. So, how did Jesus love people? Do you love people that way? Do I love them that way? How did Jesus serve people? Do we serve people in that way? How did, how did Jesus point people to God? Do I do that in my life? How did Jesus go into His community? Do I follow Matthew 28, 19 and go wherever God wants me to go? You see, that's copying. That is following Jesus. Thirdly, I need to trust Jesus. I need to trust Him and His promises to me. Now, turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. What does that say to us? Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then Jesus goes out and he spells out that there are some promises he's made about the future and that he's told us about that. And if it wasn't like that, then he would have told us so. In other words, Jesus is saying, I've made promises to you. Believe me. Believe my promises. Trust me. Trust in me, says Jesus. I need to also obey Jesus Christ and his commands. John fifteen fourteen says, You are my friends if you what? If you do what I command you. You see, it's not hard, but it is. It's spelled out really clearly for us, but it's so hard to apply. I need to deny myself, take up my cross daily, and follow Jesus Christ. I want to give an example of someone who has faithfully followed the Lord Jesus Christ. And whether you like him or hate him, Billy Graham is a fantastic servant of the Lord. And yes, he had his faults like any others, but he is 95 and still going strong for the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is his testimony, listen to this, made on the 15th of October this year. I want to read you what he says. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Master. I have repented of my sin, turned my life over to Christ, and I seek daily to obey His Holy Word. Got the cross, following the Lord. I am His follower. Before my conversion on November the 1st, 1934, I always thought myself a Christian. It wasn't until I was confronted and convicted of my sin that I realized that God makes a difference in the lives of those who not only claim His name, but obey His word. There's the secret, you see. If there's no change in a person's life, he or she must question whether or not they possess the salvation that the gospel proclaims. Now listen to this, please. And this is important. Many who go to church have not had a life-changing transformation in Christ. Those outside the church expect followers of Christ to live differently. Yet, today, many in church are chasing after the world 
Not to win them, but to be like them. Isn't that sad? This is very dangerous, and the Bible gives account to the tragic result. In the New Testament, when people heard the truth Jesus taught and received His glorious gift of forgiveness and hope for eternal life in heaven, heaven, others who observed the change in their lives called them Christians, Christ followers. Just as Jesus came willingly to rescue mankind from sin, I willingly serve Him and seek to glorify Him with my life because I am a child of the King. Being called a Christian should identify us with the demands Christ makes on those who belong to Him. He calls us to count the cost of following Him. Now, He's lived 95 years. He knows. He knows. Are you following the Lord Jesus Christ? And then we come to the fourth point this morning. There's a danger, and it's not me that spells it out. Scripture spells it out really clearly back in our text in Luke. Verses 26. And the truth there is this, that Jesus Christ is coming again. Praise the Lord. He is coming again. He will come in His glory. He will come in the glory of His Father. He will come with His angels and the glory of the angels. And that's a fact. It's a glorious fact. But there's a danger in that too. And that's where you and I come in. If you're an unbeliever here today, the danger for you is that by not believing Jesus and His message, you have turned your back on Jesus Christ. And on the day of His return, He will turn His back on you as He shows no mercy in His judgment and His condemnation of you. I'm not saying that, people. God's Word says, if you are ashamed of me and my gospel, I will be ashamed of you on that day when I return, says Jesus. So if you're not a believer here today, you better start thinking of those excuses you want to bring. And there can't be one. But you see, as Christians, there's a word for you and I too. And you need to stay with me, and I know we're going on a bit this morning. Stay with me on this, please. As a Christian, this verse also means that we, you and I, cannot be ashamed of Jesus and His message in the way we live our lives. How do we do that? You see, sometimes when the situation calls for it, I'm quiet when I should be speaking up about Jesus Christ. Sometimes people will ask me, hey, are you a Christian? And to blend in with them, I say, nah, I go to church. Are you ashamed of Jesus and His gospel? When people ask you, why do you bring your children up in that specific way? Do you tell them it's because the Bible says so? Or is it because some good human thinker has told you to do that? Are we ashamed of Jesus and His words? You see, the Bible speaks too about a judgment of believers. And if you want to read about that, go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And that's on the day that we will stand before the Lord. And yes, we will be saved, but we are going to give an an account to the Lord of our lives. And Scripture says, not me, it says, some of you will be saved, but through fire. And as um, a good godly man once said, God might call you up and you say, come here my friend, come and stand in the back corner for a while of heaven because you really smell a smoke. You're in, but just. 
because of the work of Jesus Christ. But you didn't live the way I wanted you to live. Now speak to your master. Is that the talk we want to have with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you ashamed of Jesus and his words as a Christian? Is this all for real? You see, verse 27 says, He will come again. And Jesus said to his disciples, Some of you will not taste death until you see this kingdom. And some people have looked at that verse and said, Well, look, that just proves Scripture isn't true. Because when you look at the accounts, no, they died. You see, but it is true. Because some of them, in the very next account, if you just glance down at your text, saw the start of that come true. They saw Jesus transfigured in glory. And so these words that Jesus spoke to them came true. And it was the start of what was coming. You see, his whole exaltation, his transfiguration, his later resurrection, and his return to glory is one continuum. And whether you like it or not, we live in the middle of that continuum. You and I. It's just a pity we don't have the urgency that should go with it. You see, Jesus Christ has risen, hasn't he? And he said what? He said, I am coming again. That hasn't happened yet. And so we're in the middle. We live right here. Have you and I got the urgency that goes with Jesus Christ coming again? Do you live that urgency through your life as you seek to follow Jesus in your life? Let's test it a bit. I've got a two-question test for you. Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus Christ? See, I'll show you the difference. Look here. As simply as I can. Yay, Jesus! Go, Jesus! You're laughing at me. I've been in a church where I've seen this. Do you live your life like this? People can look at the outside, the big J for Jesus, stuff in my hands, the badges I wear, sticker on the back of my car. He's a Christian. You see, a fan is enthusiastic about something. Alright? They get the badges, they go to the conferences, they uh, gather everything they can, they do the chats on the internet. But it doesn't actually change their life much. That's a fan. Is your life like a fan for Jesus Christ? What does that look like? Well, you might have made a one-off decision for Christ once in your life somewhere. And yes, you're impressed by the love of Jesus Christ. You're impressed by His sacrifice and even His teachings. They kind of do something for you. But your relationship with Him is not alive. You come to church, you might come on and off, you might even come every Sunday. But basically, nothing else has changed in your life. There's no fighting with sin every day. If you want something, you get it. If you feel like it, you do it. And you might even have to suppress your conscience if necessary. There's no spiritual vigor or progress in your life. When it comes to public testimony, you don't bother much to do with that either. And when people think that you're a Christian, it's because you tell them you go to church. But you tend to keep quiet when the conversation kind of gets religious. You kind of walk away, start another conversation. When people ask you what you believe, 
you kind of make up something. You'd rather not say you're a Christian. Urgency about saving people or having seen people saved? No, not really. You've never actually stopped to ask Jesus about any direction or any decision in your life? You know what the Bible says, but if it doesn't suit you, you don't strictly follow it. That's a fan. You're just a fan of Jesus Christ. You need to be saved. Do you live your life as a fan of Jesus Christ? There's a different way to live. A follower of Jesus Christ. You see, there's a distinct difference. We're at war. It is serious when we go and we say we want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Lord of your life, really? Is He number one in your life? Are you willing to sacrifice for Him? Are you willing to be unpopular for Jesus Christ? Are you willing to take your backpack, girdle on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, as Ephesians 6 says, put on those gospel boots, the shield of faith before you, the helmet of salvation, strap on the sword of the Spirit of God's Word? Are you willing to put those things on and to be a soldier for Jesus Christ? It's going to cost you. That's the reality of God's Word. You will need to deny yourself You will need to let go of all those things which have a hold on your life. It calls for all our commitment to Jesus Christ. And that's hard. It's hard when the rest of the world is going against the strength. You'll have to take up your cross daily, that discipline, the one day at a time, one small step at a time, having my life changed, like you change a ship's direction, one degree at a time. Is God changing your life in that way? Are you actively following Jesus Christ through any circumstance He may put you through? Are you spirit-led? Do you ask, where do you want me to go, Lord? Who do you want me to speak to, Lord, today? Do do you ever ask that? Is there a specific area in your life that you need to put under the Lord? Allow His Holy Spirit to point them out to you? Are you a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? It will cost you and I. That is what Scripture says to you and I. Two passages, and then we finish this morning. And I want you to turn to them. These are very, very important. Romans chapter 8. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, please. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those who are being led by the Spirit of God, who are sons of God, For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And here's the important verse. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. Here's the crunch. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified. With him. You see, suffering must come before glorification. 
as John Blanchard put it, to bear the cross is to, pre- is to prepare for the crown. Are you willing to go through a life of suffering and hardship for the Lord Jesus Christ so that one day He can crown you with Him in glory? Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 to 14. And I want to encourage you with this verse. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. You know what he went through in his life for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. Here's the words. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One day the Lord will appear, and one day if you are faithful to Him, and if you are saved by Him, He will call your name, and you will go and be with Him in glory. And we look forward to that day, but till that day, you and I need to march the march of Jesus Christ. We need to walk the walk which follows Jesus Christ. We need to be followers of Jesus Christ. We cannot afford to just be fans. What is the call on your life this morning? This morning, just before I came, I heard this thing on the news. And you won't guess what's happened in our dear old Australia. They've now got a group of atheists getting together and they've started what they call... um, Hang on. Yes, Sunday Assemblies. Thank you. Glad someone else listens to the news. Sunday assemblies. And you know what Sunday assemblies are? They get together for services. These are atheists. They get together for services. They have words of inspiration from nature, from philosophers, from famous people, inspirational speakers. They even sing happy songs together. Yep, it's all part of it. Then they have an inspirational speaker to gird them up for life for the week. And then, they have cake and tea, just like good old Baptists. Why are they doing that? Because there's a need in people to find fulfillment. There's a gap in people the size of God. And so they see that in being filled by doing things the way Christians do them. But not wanting God in it. You see, if you do not follow God, if you're just a fan of Jesus Christ, you will, together with the rest of the people, join people like that. You know who their biggest followers are? Christians who have walked away from the church. Why? Because they were fans of Jesus Christ. There was no depth. Will you join their ranks? And I ask that seriously. Because if you're not rooted and founded in Jesus Christ daily, You could join them. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, this crucial part of your word, 
challenges the way we walk before you. And Lord, it touches us where it really hurts. It touches us on our comforts. It touches us on our attitudes. It touches us on our obedience to you daily. And Lord, every single one of us falls short. But Lord, through the strength and the inspiration and the change that your Spirit can bring, Lord, help us to be followers of Jesus Christ. Help us to follow in behind Jesus Christ. To do what He does. To love people the way He loves. To point people to You. So that in everything we do, we will exalt the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be followers of Jesus Christ. And save us from being fans only. We pray, Lord, do Your work in us as a church. So that this little community of Wanganui East will know that Jesus Christ lives today. And that He is coming again soon. May we do our work in your way, we pray. Amen.